the reading for this week, the, the Torah reading, is the reading that has the most number of mitzvot and the most number of spiritual commandments, practices. 72 mitzvot appear in this week's reading, Kitetze. The first mitzvah in the reading, Kitetze, the Milchama is that when you go to war, the Torah gives you, gives soldiers a realistic, um, a realistic and to some degree attainable model of how to maintain some modicum of humanity within a very inhumane situation. You see a woman and you desire her, the Torah says, and in most contexts in the Near East, and certainly the Torah was aware of this, in the time of war, anything went. The Torah has a model that I don't want to get into because that's not my sermon tonight, but it has a model for a realistic revolution in how to maintain a human posture in dire situations. And to some degree, almost all of the mitzvot, almost all of the 72 mitzvot that appear tomorrow in the reading are, are rational. They're the kind of thing that we would say, oh, that's a beautiful thing. I can get on with that. That's a kind of religious practice that I can appreciate. The the rationale for mitzvot, what's called in the medieval literature, ta'amne mitzvot, the reasoning for mitzvot, the reasoning behind the spiritual practices that make up our wisdom tradition, was something of an ambivalent issue for the rabbis. The rabbis were not comfortable with the giving of rationale or reason for the mitzvot. A person that the Mishnah says, Pirkei Avot, person should always know that the reward of a mitzvah is a mitzvah. We don't really know the reward of mitzvot. We don't know the rationale. If a person says the mitzvot are given for a certain reason, we have to be very careful. Is one voice within the rabbis. There are other voices that said, no. It makes sense for us to understand what it is that we've been given and why we've been asked to do these things. And that machloket, that difference of opinion, appears most powerfully in one mitzvah, in one moment, one spiritual practice that appears in this week's reading. Ki kansipur, what's called in the terminology of Chazal, of the rabbis, shiluach hakan. The Torah says that if you're happening to walk along the way and you come upon a nest and you desire, you want the, the eggs, you want the eggs. But the aim is rovetzet al-banea, but the, the mother bird is on top of the eggs. So the Torah says you have a mitzvah, there is a mitzvah, there is a spiritual, there is a commandment. You are commanded to send away the mother bird. And then the Torah says, so that you will have long days. One of only two mitzvot in the Torah, where we're actually told that there is a reward of some kind connected to it, the other mitzvah, in case you're wondering, is kibud av'eim, the honoring of one's parents, which leads the Gemara to say that the Torah encapsulated the most difficult mitzvah and the easiest one in one fell swoop, right? The most difficult mitzvah is which one? Sending away the bird? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Sure. 
The most difficult mitzvah, kibudah ve'em, honoring one's parents, and the easiest one is sending away the mother bird. On this mitzvah, there's a machloket on this, in this category, and trust me, we're going somewhere with this. In this category, in this, in this mitzvah, there's a machloket, there's a difference of opinion between Maimonides and Nachmanides, two great medieval giants, as to what the meaning of this mitzvah is. Nachmanides, Maimonides, let's start with Maimonides. Maimonides says that the mitzvah, the purpose of this mitzvah is to show us that God has compassion for all of God's creatures. That in the moment when one wants the eggs, God is saying, have rachmanus on the mother. Think, right, have rachmanut, have compassion for the mother bird. Nachmanides disagrees. Nachmanides says, it can't be that this the reason, the rationale for the mitzvah is for the compassion shown towards the mother, because if that were the case, what, everybody? You wouldn't take them at all. Or, says Nachmanides, we wouldn't have the permission to slaughter animals at all in the Torah. It can't be that this is about compassion towards the animal. It must be, says Nachmanides, and here's where I want to, this is where I want to go. It must be the mitzvah is coming to teach me that if I can't hear the cry of that mother, then I myself become achzari. I myself become closed. I myself become inured to the interpenetration of all of life. That if I were to act, says Nachmanides, without compassion, Forget about the bird. We want to think about the bird in a second. But what about me? What will happen to me, says Nachmanides, if I, if, I, if I close my heart to even this level of, of love and compassion and feeling? You get it? It's a brilliant turn. It's a brilliant move. In one fell swoop, the Ramban Nachmanides offers us a deep rationale for all of the mitzvot. All of the mitzvot are coming to tenderize our hearts. Each and every commandment, says Nachmanides, is an opportunity to soften what gets hard, to open what becomes closed, to feel what we don't want to feel, or more likely, Life invites us to stop feeling. And based on that, Nachmanides, I want to read to you an even more powerful teaching from Ibn Kaspi. He says, based on Nachmanides, that all of the Torah was trying to eradicate the cruelty that human beings often feel. And he says, that the Torah has given us mitzvot, spiritual practices that have to do with all four, four of what were called the elements. We have compassion towards human beings. Then we have compassion towards animals. Compassion towards vegetation, shmita, And compassion towards inanimate life. The Torah is, he says, and I can't believe I read this, it's so beautiful. 
says, For this reason, the Torah has commanded us to show pity to all of life. Right? In order to teach us humility, and in order to teach us modesty and lowliness, that we should always be cognizant of the fact that we are of the same stuff as the mule and the horse, the cabbage and the pomegranate, and even the lifeless stone. The Torah's agenda is to awaken us to our interpenetration, our interconnectedness with all of life, and to give us the eyes to see the mother bird, the eyes of the mother bird. I went up this week to, to visit someone in prison, and it's really an amazing thing. I went up for a lot of reasons, but I think that from now on, my, one of my Elul practices will always be to go to prison. There are a lot of things that we're working on, all of us here. There are a lot of things that we are hoping to open that are closed. But to walk into a prison is on a whole other order. And what was so powerful for me, in addition to sitting with the woman that I went to see, there were two things that I'm bringing with me into Rosh Hashanah. One was that I couldn't bring anything in but an ID and tissues. I thought, what would that be like to give my community those instructions when they come for the high holidays? Don't bring anything. Don't even bring your ID. Just bring tissues. What would it be like to walk in that naked, that unadorned, that completely unguarded into a very guarded place? One and two, and this is how small acts of kindness make all the difference. When I was speaking to the inmates, they said that there were little moments, small moments, where they wished that the guards, more than anything, would treat them as human beings. It were the little indignities, the small moments of cruelty that compounded the already horrible reality of being incarcerated. That they could handle the guilt. They didn't say they could handle it. They're living with the guilt. They're living with what they did. The consequences of their actions. But the small moments where the guards refused to shoo away the bird. You get it? The small moments where those guards who are in war, right? They're in that place of kitetza, the milchama. And the Torah says, when you are going along the way, you're on the path. You're also unguarded. You're on this long path. You don't know where you are. You have no shelter. Have compassion for your own soul and what happens to you in the midst of those places so that you yourself do not deteriorate. So you yourself can tenderize your heart. Practice tenderizing your heart, says the Torah. The world is that way. The world will be what it is. But in those places, tenderize your heart. And that's what we're doing here, isn't it? I've been sitting and struggling with what the Chagin mean to me. I know that they mean a million things. I have books. Come, I have so many. It's like I have this many books. I'm thinking to myself, but what's my work year in and year out? 
year in and year out, is to find that place inside of me that refuses to send away the bird, that refuses to open, that hops, that grabs, instead of let go. So just as I was thinking what I was going to say tonight, I got an email. It was an email from someone in our community who said that one of her sons is a chayal boded. I know he's a, he's a soldier who's living far from his family. He's in Israel and he's in the army. And just last week he was here in Romamu with us. And just this week, he returned to his base. Can you imagine? And he wrote her a text before Shabbat that she wanted to share with me. He wrote to her, Hey guys, I wanted to share with you that my last Friday night at Romamu versus this Friday night here in the army are extremely different. And I'd do anything to live last Friday night again. But one thing that hasn't changed is the music. Right now, I'm with my iPhone doing my praying with Romamo music and loving it. And then he signed off. I was thinking about him tonight when we were davening. And I was thinking about all of the inevitable indignities that life and the army in particular will bring his way. And I was also feeling gratitude for this beautiful tradition that we've been given, the beauty of Elul, the beauty of Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, and Sukkot, the beauty of the gift of practices that tenderize the heart in the midst of life's inevitable vicissitudes. And I wanted to offer all of you a kavanah, an intention, as we make our way towards the final two weeks before Rosh Hashanah. I invite you to listen for the mother bird. I invite you to listen for the places in your life and in the lives of others that are calling for you to finally, maybe finally this year, for all of us to be a little bit more sensitive, a little bit more tender with ourselves, first of all, with those around us, and to not in any way, shape, or form diminish the power of a hello, or a goodbye, or a nice to see you, or I missed you. It's those small things that grouped in the 72 mitzvot this, this weekend are the infinite ways that we can make the world a more tender place leave you with a poem from Mark Nepo, again. And the title of it is, Rumi Goes to Washington. He couldn't find a place to tie his camel when a quiet man in a uniform took the reins and showed him inside. He sat for the longest time on a sofa, staring at the enormous chandelier. So many jewels, he thought, each like a soul God has placed on earth and scattered. He felt the chandelier was a messenger, saying without saying, when you can come together like this, 
Your love will conquer gravity and you will hover like this enormous glittering light. Just then, a pretty young woman asked if he wanted to register. He wasn't sure what that meant, but he went along. In the days that followed, he kept seeing the many jewels scattered. Then others came and brought him to meetings where he listened to men and women carve up the resources of their great nation, and beneath the noise of their benevolence, he could see inside their chests where each carried a light that was throbbing below their proposals. When it was his turn, he whirled around the room, touching each jewel's heart. Then he sat and stared at his hand. Finally, the leader of the group leaned over and gently asked him, what does this mean? Instead of talking, he took the leader's hand and put it on his heart. Well, the meeting was no longer a meeting, and some wanted to get closer while others wanted to run he was driven back to the hotel where he spent the afternoon listening to the chandelier. The Torah is giving us good advice on how to listen to the chandelier on how to make this world a better place. Go forth, everyone. There's work to do. There are chandeliers to be observed there are hearts to be touched and tenderized. There are moments waiting for us to release them. <laughs>